Uh, look, today, I, I want to inspire you. I really do. Uh, because I, I think every person is worthy of inspiration. Uh, if you go back to the creation story, literally God breathed into man. And he became a living being. And there is something, and, and literally that word is inspiration. Uh, to inspire rather than to expire, to breathe into rather than to breathe out. And so uh, I'm really believing for God to, to inspire you uh, through his word today. And, uh, but I've just got to warn you, I'm going to take an unusual route. Okay, I'm going to say some things that, that you might struggle with. And uh, can, can I just encourage you, stick till the end. Don't switch off, don't get angry with me, for goodness sake don't walk out when you've only heard half the message, okay? Is that alright? Yeah. Cool. Okay, so uh, I, want to, I want to speak today about you being the man, or the man, you the man. Okay, turn to the guy next to you and say, you the man. And if it's a woman, say, you the warm man. You the warm man. We all know how woman got a name, don't you? At creation, God brought woman, brought Eve to Adam, and Adam turned around and he went, saw her and he went, whoa, man. <laughs> it always gets a laugh from someone. I, mean, I don't care how long you've been around a church life. It gets a laugh from someone. And I want to read 1 John chapter 4, verse 12. No one has seen God at any time. But if we love one another, God abides in us and his love has been perfected in us. And this is a message that I shared with our all-in team night several quarters ago. I think it was in last year sometime. And at the time, I thought this is a message that actually the whole church needs to hear. So if you were at the all-in team night, this is, is maybe a full sermon. That was a, a partial, just a thought for about 15 minutes. But I want to actually preach this concept, and I think it's for the whole church. Um, the first thing that I want to say about this verse, like if that verse is still up there... Uh, just want to look at the first phrase. No one has seen God at any time. And, and I think it's amazing how we like, we listen to Bible truth, we read scripture. I hope you read scripture. I hope you're journaling. Bible journaling is a good thing. If it's important enough for God to say it, it's important enough for you to write it down. So as you read, when the Holy Spirit begins to speak to your heart, you should be writing it down. That's what Bible journaling is. Um, but I think it's amazing how we, we hear profound truth uh, and even things that don't really suit us, but we don't even stop to process it. We just like accept it. Almost, I, I won't say gullibly, but almost as if there's a pressure to conform where we wouldn't dare question what God's saying in his word. The interesting thing is lots and lots of scripture is in the Bible because of people who did question, who did argue, who were frustrated, who did pour their heart out. A great portion of scripture is, and yet it's like the modern Christian just has to say and accept and bite down on the fact that God said it, I believe it, that settles it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I've, I've got to admit, there's some things in the Bible I don't love. I might accept their truth, but I don't like it. And, and as a matter of fact, if you were honest, if, if we were intellectually honest, sometimes we read things, if indeed we are reading our Bibles, that we struggle with. 
and we should struggle with. Remember last week we talked about just the, the simplicity of, of Jesus' travel plans and donkey logistics if you were here last week. Why is that included in scripture? Why on earth would someone talk about finding a donkey for Jesus? And yet that very fact that it seems to be against the flow or against the value of the book that it's in, that very fact should draw us deeper. And, and I believe whenever we see stuff that we're like, ah, oh, I don't know whether I like that. I don't know whether that resonates with me. We should use that as an opportunity to actually wrestle with the text. That's what being mature is, our ability to actually go, there's got to be more to it than that. To me, that's just a pat. No one's seen God at any time. Well, how convenient for God. I'm not trying to be disrespectful, but I'm just saying, like, we just accept that stuff. And actually... There's difficulties in it. I might accept its truth, but I don't love it. And it's weird how we just go with the flow. It's like we don't want to step out of line or admit that it's frustrating or that it doesn't suit us. It's almost like we don't want to be human. Like God doesn't understand our humanity, our frustration, our pain. It's like don't show that in front of God as if he doesn't see it. Yeah. But just be a good Bible-believing Christian and accept it and smile. And you know what? In, in this sense, talk, talking about this, I honestly think sometimes critics of our faith, atheists who have trouble with the Bible, might actually be more honest than the children of God. I'm not saying they're right. I'm just saying they might be more honest. The fact that they have a struggle with it and are happy to talk about it. There are difficult places. There are what appear to be contradictions. There are literally contradictions and there's meant to be. Because it keeps the debate and the discussion going. But you know what? When we just get so, you know, this is just how it is. This is how good little Christians act. And fail to react. That's what it is to be a child of God. When we do that with scripture, when we refuse to question the text and wrestle with it, we actually risk missing the revelation and the blessing and what God's trying to say, the truth that's in it. It never actually becomes part of it unless you wrestle with it. So I know we're not supposed to say things like this, but I reckon this verse totally sucks. At least the first part of it. You see, if you don't question God here, no one's seen God at any time. If you don't question God here, maybe you've never been disappointed. Or you've never admitted that you have been. Maybe you've never been frustrated or disillusioned with your faith. Well, I tell you what, just hang around because it's coming. If that hasn't happened to you, man, you must have only gotten saved last week. Because your faith will be tested. And if you're honest, you will be frustrated. You will at times be disillusioned. You will at times find yourself wrestling for your faith. You should. Maybe if you've never done that, maybe you've never suffered or wrestled with chronic illness. 
and the frustration over seeing the promises of God's word and having to wrestle with contradictions happening in your very own body. Maybe you're fortunate. Maybe you've never had that. Maybe you've never had the financial struggles where, well, I give and I believe the promises and, and yet there's still doesn't always seem to work. Sometimes it seems to work. Sometimes it doesn't. Who's ever gone, God, what was that? What was that season about? Man, if you haven't, you haven't been honest. What about relational things? You know, and praying, God, I'm believing for restoration. I'm believing for change. I'm I'm believing uh, for my husband to become easier to live with. Sarah said, "Amen." Just so you can. <laughs> but you know, if you if you haven't done that, then maybe you've never wrestled it through. Maybe you've maybe you've never been, in a sense, intellectually honest. We've got to be honest. There are times when you really needed to see God. I know that's the same for me. And, and, and when you're in those pressure points, and you really you just you need to see God. It's a, it's a paradox when you don't seem to be able to see him. You don't need arguments, if you notice that. You don't need pat answers. As a matter of fact, when someone gives you a pat answer and you're in the middle of pain, you just want to wring their neck. Yeah. If you're honest. Yeah. I know I've done it as a pastor and I've, I've done it. And then later after a meeting or something thought, I just gave pat answers. That's not going to help that person whatsoever. What they've actually got to do is wrestle with God and I can't do it for them. But I think sometimes we need permission. Yeah. We actually need permission. Yeah. It's okay to be frustrated. It's okay to get disillusioned. It's okay to be angry. New Testament says don't sin. But it doesn't say don't be angry. That's, that's a natural human emotion. And sometimes we deny who we are as people trying to follow in faith. And man, that is a hard road to hoe when you feel like you've got to present something that's all going fine and okay on the outside, but internally you've got so massive issues that you don't even feel that you can voice. How painful. And yet I think often we live there. You don't need the right words. You know, God would fit the situation perfectly. (laughs) But no one's seen him at any time. Gee, God, it'd just be great for you to show up right now in my marriage troubles with my spouse, trying to understand my spouse. God, I I need to see you on this. No one's ever been there, except for Rob and Sarah, obviously. (laughs) Everyone's looking at me like, no, that's never happened to me. Leadership for me, leadership in life, leadership in the church. Man, that many times it's be like, God, if you, if you just showed up, it would just solve everything. Come on, have you ever been in a situation in your life? God, if you just showed up, yep. if, I, if I just saw you, yeah. I could believe, <laughs> I could get through this. Maybe in an employment situation, maybe with your kids. Maybe with your mental health, emotional health and sense of well-being. Man, God, I just need to see you. But he's not there. Because no one has seen God 
at any time. So you're going to be waiting a while. When I was in pressure points in my life, did I see God? No. Nowhere to be found. Suspiciously absent. (laughs) Disappointingly, frustratingly, faith-testingly, maddeningly absent. And you know, admitting that is not disrespectful. It's actually more disrespectful. It's more respectful. It's not, di- it's not disrespectful because it's more honest. Yeah. Yeah. Come on. Right. Yeah. Isaiah chapter 1, the, the prophet details God speaking and, and he says, come, let us reason together. Yeah. It's like God is inviting us, and he is, inviting us into a conversation to wrestle through some of these things. You know, David in Psalm 8 says, you know, what is man that you are mindful of? In the cre- He's standing before the creator of the universe and it's like, man, I am just a flea, really. But there's something so amazing about the fact that the, the creator of all this wants to engage me. What is man that you are mindful, that you think about me, that you would engage me, that you would speak to my heart? And so being honest with contradictions and some of the wrestles and struggles, it's, it's more honest than just turning up, trying to act happy when nothing's happy. Or you're just in a season where nothing seems to be happy, which is normally more accurate. I will be honest with my God. It's maybe the highest compliment we could ever pay God. God, I know that you see me. I know that you see the wrestle, the struggle of my heart. And I acknowledge that. And I won't try and varnish it. And I won't try and hide it. But I will be honest that I have got some problems. Who's ever had a problem with God himself? Come on. Yeah, look look how honest we're getting already. Who's ever said, God, if I was you, I wouldn't do it that way? That's just not right. Who's ever said that's not fair? Not even just for you, but for others. Where's the justice in that? And it's okay. You know what? I think God is big enough for us to actually push back. I don't think think it's going to upset him. As a matter of fact, if I look back over my children's lives, and now that the youngest one is a young man, I wish there'd been more times where they came for clarification. And I wish maybe that I'd handled pushback better. Because some of those times of coming and sitting on daddy's knee and talking about the difficult stuff are the most memorable times in my children's lives. And I don't think it's any different for a heavenly father. That is where the relationship goes deeper. That's where the relationship gets realer in that sense. You know, I think our Western minds, we struggle because we we question all the time with God. We question the how. How, God? How are you going to do this? How are you going to do that? How did this happen? And it's not that we always get the answer, but a far better question is why? Why? See, you think about it like, for example, with healing, 
you can't ever get the how answer because it's supernatural. But you can really easily find the why answer. And it's somewhere between love, grace and the cross. The promise of Isaiah 53. God's very clear about the why. Why would he touch your body? That's why. But, but often we get stuck on the how. How is God going to do this? What is God doing right now? The cross demonstrates the why more than the how. But hang on, I digress. I need to get back to this verse because there's, a, there's more to it than just no one has seen God at any time. Are you still with me? You okay? Yeah. Now that you're all shocked, are you all suitably shocked? We'll look at the second half of the verse. And, uh, and for me, I'm looking at the rest of this verse. I'm wrestling with it. I'm keen to see how it might soothe my tattered nerves. The last part of the verse says... If we love one another, you could almost say, that, say it this way, but no one's seen God at any time. But if we love one another, God abides in us. And his love has been perfected in us. Man, I just need to see God in this situation. But I'm not gonna, because I've been told I'm not gonna. But John doesn't leave us without hope. He says, but, or he doesn't say but, I've added that in. This is just one seamless thought. So you could almost put it this way. No one's seen God at any time. If you love one another, God's love is perfected in you toward each other. So could John actually have been intimating that the closest we come to seeing God is in each other? You're not going to see his face, but you're going to see someone's face. And your, your thing is not to question where I am, but your thing is to develop love in your own heart and allow my love to be perfected in you because when my love is perfected in you, you see me. But not always where we're looking. We're looking there. Who's ever... Who's ever closed their eyes in prayer and really been praying and, so, and you think, man, if I open my eyes, God might even be standing in the corner. Come on, is there anyone willing to admit that you've been, you know, yeah. Yeah. was he ever? Never. But when we, when we allow God's love to work in us, it's just amazing what you can see in another person. You might not see his face, but you just might see his face in someone else. I think about uh, our early days here uh, when we came and took the church and, and it was painful. It, it, it wasn't fun like it is nowadays. In all honesty, we took on something way bigger than, than we were at leadership-wise, etc. And previous pastor had done a great job and we just sort of came in and there was probably a big leadership vacuum and as young, inexperienced leaders, man, I wish I could have my time again. I'd do things so much differently, but I didn't. And we went into a world of pain. 
When it comes to church growth for the first few years, we grew it backwards really well. If you know what I mean. And we had people leaving. And I remember a season where it was like, I didn't want to pick up my phone because it was someone else telling me that they really felt the Lord calling them somewhere else. And, uh, and it was difficult. And there was betrayal in that season as well. And it was just like, man, a world of pain. And, and I can remember being so frustrated and so angry that somewhere in that point, someone leaked information back about a key national leader that um, uh, in this state who had said, and, and we're a couple of years in, who had said, uh, the jury's still out on those guys. In other words, like, whether they survive or not, we don't know. And that was pretty true. But man, it made me so angry because I'm like, here we are in a, in a significant church and you know that I'm in pain. And I haven't heard from you, but I'm hearing what you're saying about me. And I was really, really mad. And I think the only thing that kept me sane at that time is we had a regional leader. He's still out at Dolby and Pastor Murray was leading the church, uh, leading the region that we were part of and I would ring him and I'd cry on his shoulder I'd ring him in really dark days really painful days and I'd ring him you know and Murray would encourage me and pray with me and mate just you know you know you're doing okay and I'd be like yeah we're okay it's just no fun and Murray would pray with us and pray with me and encourage me and you know anyway when I heard this information that this other leader had said one day, Murray rang me and I said, uh, yeah, Murray, I do want to talk to you about something. I heard this. I heard that our state president said this. Why wouldn't he have rung me? I haven't seen him. He knows we're in pain. This is a significant church in the state. It's like he doesn't really care. And it was interesting because Murray went really quiet on the phone. Really quiet. And then he said, I've rung you. And I'm his man. I'm his representative. He runs the state. I run the region. You're part of the region. (laughs) It was a drop the mic moment. I realised actually I had seen the state president's face in one sense. Because I'd seen the guy that he'd given authority to And he'd been the guy that had been propping me up for two years, listening to me that it it would have been so easy to miss. And it was, I had missed it. I was so focused on my disappointment that I didn't see who God had put right under my nose. And in that sense, not only had I seen my state president, I'd actually seen the face of God in another pastor that regularly rang me, regularly loved on me, encouraged me, said he believed in me, said we could do it, said we should stick it out. So you could say, had I seen the face of God? No, not really. But then, actually, maybe. It might not have have looked like what I thought it would be. But when love is perfected in us, we actually see God in one another. Our whole theme for this year is better together. And that 
you know, that is more than just a pithy slogan. It's necessary for us to live the lives God's called us to live. I may not have seen the state president, but I'd certainly seen his representative. I may not have seen God, but I'd certainly seen his representatives through that season of my life. And I just want to leave you with this. Every week, people turn up to church. They turn up to life groups. Many of you lead those life groups. We've got 67 life groups in the church at the moment. Community care. So there's lots of leaders here, I guess that's what I'm saying. Whether it's community care. People turn up for all these things and they've got the same fears, the same frustrations, the same concerns, the same hopes, the same joys, the same dreams that you have. It's amazing, this commonality of humanity. And the question I have for you today is, I wonder who sees Jesus in you? Because you demand, you the woman, that God is looking to show his face to humanity through. So whether it's Sunday, whether it's Wednesday playgroup, whether it's life group or youth, whether it's just out in that foyer, I've got some questions for us all. I'm going to ask Sue if she would come and just make ready. Here's some questions. I might get the keyboard up too, if that's okay. Are you positioned so that people can see Jesus in you? Are you positioned in life? You know, often, I think often Christians, we take a backseat and we fade to grey because of some of the contradictions we've never wrestled through some of the struggles in our own life and it's like man I don't particularly want to nail my colours up too high on the mast in case I have to retreat quickly well I want to encourage you you need to wrestle with those things because sometimes sometimes we don't need to run away from our pain we need to run into it and find God there just the same way that you run into that scripture you actually find God there on another whole level Yet no one's seen God at any time, but man, when his love's perfected in you, you see him in one another. For God is love, John goes on to write. So where are you positioned so that people could actually see Jesus in you? Here's another question, and this is a tough one. Are you in community or just in church? There's a boom, drop the mic question. But you can, you can just be in church but not be in community. You can even serve in church and not be in community. It can just be something you do. Yet, I I suggest people need to see Christ in you. And you need to see God in other people. On those days when you're wondering where on earth God is. Here's another question. Are you intentional in loving others? I guess I could put it this way. If it was all of a sudden revealed to the world, not the church, but to the world now, those outside of faith, that God is love, would your friends not be surprised by saying, yeah, I, I can understand that because I've seen him in insert your name. I've seen him in this person. I've seen that. 
that that believer that I know that Christian they wasn't my thing but it was their thing but I tell you I saw God in them see you to man you to woman that carries the image of God and I love this if we love one another God abides in us that first phrase if we love one another God abides in us and so I just want I want to encourage us keep being full of the love of God keep determining you know keep determining that when you meet people you're going to be the most full of love full of Jesus person that they've met that you're open to their stories it's I know it's hard when we get out the walls there it becomes a little bit dog eat dog and a bit defensive and all the rest. But man, if we would just give our lives away so that people who might never see the face of God see the face of God through the love that's in us. Don't grow weary in doing good. Don't grow weary in loving one another because when we love one another, the love of God abides in us and the love of God is perfected in us. And at that point, we actually have seen God. He just doesn't look quite like who we thought maybe he'd look like. We're better together.